What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gridiron Bench Squad podcast. Today, we're going to be doing the same type of thing as we did last week with the Steelers draft review. I'm going to be doing a Jets draft review and just my thoughts on uh, on every one of their picks. Now, I think they uh, I think they had a decent draft. I'm not going to lie. They had 10 picks, which is crazy. But as we all know, their first pick was obviously round one, pick two. They chose Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. I gave this pick an A-. Now, I think there was about a 99% chance that they took a QB at this spot before they traded Darnold. And the fact that they did shows how they really feel about the franchise's future. I think that the Jets GM, Joe Douglas, made the right move and chose who they think can be the future face of their franchise that they really haven't had since Joe Namath. Now, people could say, oh, but Mark Sanchez brought them to two consecutive AFC, uh, AFC Conference Championships. He was just not good other than that. He was led by two outstanding defenses. But with that being said, I was very intrigued in this year's draft, and I saw a lot of Zach Wilson highlights, like a lot. He was he was one of the main talks on ESPN. And there really isn't many, many negative things to say about Wilson when watching his tape. He can make any throw at any level of the field, and he has a decent run game on him as well. The only questionable thing that I have about him is the level of competition that he played in college. The only good season that he had as a starter was last year, and he only played one ranked team, and that ranked team was Coastal Carolina, and he lost, and he didn't play well at all. So that'll that'll be something that has to be monitored throughout preseason, throughout training camps, etc. But personally, I think that Justin Fields would have been the better QB to go at pick two, as his stats and film back that up. However, I think that the weapons that Zach Wilson has in New York now should help him smoothly transition to the NFL. With the likes of Corey Davis, with the likes of Elijah Moore, who we'll get into, with the likes of Michael Carter, who we'll get into, I think uh, I think it could go, it could uh, it could turn well for Zach Wilson. But um, I hope at least for Jets fans, that he can turn into the solid starter that everyone thinks he will be and finally be the quarterback that brings the Jets to the promised land. I am nervous, though, that Zach Wilson looks a lot like Daniel Jones coming out of college as they went from somewhat small schools, somewhat similar talents, and we all know how Daniel Jones has turned out so far. But for Daniel Jones' sake, he has a very solid offense now. If he if he doesn't get through it, then it's he sucks. But back to Zach Wilson, I think that with the coaching with Robert Sala as the new head coach, I think there is there's definitely some potential for Zach Wilson to be not necessarily an elite quarterback in the NFL, but he'll be um he'll be a starter. Obviously, he's going to be a starter anyways, but I think he'll be a starter for years to come with the Jets. Now, moving on to their second pick of the first round. They originally had the 23rd pick, but they traded up nine spots with the Vikings. And that pick, at pick 14, they took Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard slash tackle from USC. I gave this pick an A+. Now, the fact that the Jets traded up this far to take an offensive lineman shows A, how highly they had this guy ranked on their draft boards, and B, that they are extremely dedicated to revamping their offense and extremely dedicated to protecting Zach Wilson. 
Aside from Panay Sewell, I think that Veritek is the best offensive line prospect in this draft. Now, some could ar- argue Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, but I just think that Veritek's versatility and his ability to play both guard and tackle, well, I mean, versatility is ability. Okay, whatever. You, you get the point. I think, I think that will provide Robert Sala with many benefits and his new team with many benefits as well. He will definitely be able to open up some running lanes for his draft class brother, Michael Carter, who, again, we'll get into the running back from UNC. Um, but, yeah, Vera Tucker should immediately dominate the same way he did in college. I don't see him not doing so. As watching his highlights, he's he plays with a mean streak. He plays like he hates everyone, which obviously is not true. At least I think. But, uh, yeah, his... Um, his potential to dominate is my reasoning for giving for giving this pick an A+. Moving on to the second round, I absolutely love this pick as well. This guy should have gone in the first round, in my opinion. Round 2, pick 34, Elijah Moore, wide receiver from Ole Miss. I also gave this pick an A+. Good job, Jets. This guy is one of the steals of the draft, in my opinion. He was my fourth highest ranked wide receiver and definitely should have been the first receiver taken after the three-headed monster of Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Smith. I think Kadarius Toney, who went 20th overall, and Rashad Bateman, who went 27th overall, are no by no means bad receivers. But when comparing their tapes, Elijah Moore looks like the better of the three, and it's not that close. He has the ability to force missed tackles, not only in open space, but as well as when half of the defense is surrounding him. Moore is only 5'9", and I get that could potentially be the reason why he fell to the second round. However, he ran a blazing 4-3-5-40 on his pro day, which is absurd. That's one of the fastest in, like, in this draft class. There was virtually no one in the SEC that could guard him last year. Besides Patrick Sertain, but, I mean, that guy's on his own level. And we saw he went ninth overall for, for many reasons. But Moore's playmaking skills remind me a lot of a young Antonio Brown who, in my opinion, would have been a top 10 wide receiver of all time if he stayed with Pittsburgh. You can come at me all you want, but stats and highlights show it. That guy could not be contained, could not be guarded. If there is a single pick that every Jets fan should be hyped about, it is this one. Elijah Moore is an A-plus pick, in my opinion, and it should be in everyone's opinion. Moving on to the fourth round, they didn't have a pick in the third round, as I think that was part of the Vikings trade, but I'm not quite sure. At pick four, number 107, the New York Jets... Oh, goodness. The alarm is back. The alarm is back, and we all know what that means. That is my favorite pick for the Jets draft. Pick 107 in round four, the Jets select. Michael Carter, running back from UNC. I did say this was my favorite pick, but I only gave it an A because I didn't want to give out too many A-pluses, and I think the previous two were more fitting of A-pluses But outside of the top three backs in this year's draft, so talking about Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams, Michael Carter was probably the best option at running back. To be honest, 
I don't think that Ty Johnson, LaMichael P. Ryan, or Tevin Coleman are solid starters on their own. However, I do think the combination of these four, including Michael Carter, should provide a very decent backfield. Now, Carter was a bit outshined by Javante Williams at UNC, but he definitely had his fair share of highlights. He had, in his senior year, 1,500-plus scrimmage yards, 11 total touchdowns, and an average of 8 yards a carry. 8 yards a carry is absolutely insane. That's almost a first down every time he ran the ball. But I, I doubt there is any way that he brings that type of action into the NFL. But I guess you never know. Even if he's anywhere close to that, this will be a crazy valuable pick. I think, I'm going to look it up real quick, but I think Trey Sermon was the only running back drafted beforehand, before Michael Carter. Uh, Let me check. Drafted in 2021. So it was Najee, then Etienne, then Javante. Let's see. This doesn't give me the order. Um, hmm. I don't know why this is. But yeah, so obviously Najee went 24 to the Steelers. ETN went 25 to, to the Jaguars, which again is an insanely stupid pick in my opinion. Javante Williams went 35 to the Broncos. This isn't loading. Okay, whatever. You get my point. Oh, here we go. Let's see. Running back, running back, running back. Yeah. Yeah, Trey Sermon was the only one taken before Michael Carter, which I don't know about that. I think Michael Carter should have been taken before Sermon, but... um. Alright, back to that. That was a whole spiel. But I think that Carter's high upside and determination to succeed is the reasoning for me giving this pick an A. Moving on to round five now. The Jets had two picks, three picks in the fifth round. The first one was pick 146. They took Jamie and Sherwood, the linebacker from Auburn. Now, Sherwood is a very intriguing prospect. He's listed as a linebacker, but in 2020... He played 44% of his defensive snaps at safety and only 34% of his defensive snaps at linebacker. There were also some plays where he lined up as a slot corner. So this guy is like a Swiss army knife. He's very versatile. There are some downsides, however, to Sherwood's potential. He's 6'2", which is decent size for a linebacker. However, he ran a slow 4'7", at his pro day. He also lacks experience, as he was only a one-year starter during his time at Auburn. I do think that, however, he will be able to learn some things from C.J. Mosley and Blake Cashman in the middle of the field, so experience really shouldn't be an issue. I am willing to overlook his slow 40 time and lack of experience due to his versatility and strong tackling ability. It's going to be interesting to see where Robert Sala and I don't know who the Jets defensive coordinator is, I'm sorry, but how they decide where Sherwood is going to play, if he's going to be special, to, well, obviously he's going to be special teams, but if he's going to be a safety, if he's going to be a slot corner, or if he's going to be a linebacker, I think, I personally think he should start as a safety because of the guy that they, two guys they drafted in this draft as well. 
But yeah, so I think he has the potential to be a solid starter in the NFL. Thus, the B-plus grade I gave him. Moving on to the second pick in the fifth round for the Jets. At pick 154, they took Michael Carter II, which is crazy how there were two Michael Carters taken by the same team in the same draft. But this guy's a cornerback out of Duke. I gave this pick a B-, and like I said, although it is really cool to see the Jets took another Michael Carter in the same draft, which I think is the first time ever, this isn't really the best of picks. He is undersized even for a slot corner. I know Mike Hilton was about the same size at 5'9". But Michael Carter has trouble matching up against shifty receivers such as Jerry Judy and Jalen Waddell in the 2019 matchup between Duke and Alabama. I get those those two are the cream of the crop, but once you get to the NFL, everyone's the cream of the crop. So the one very intriguing thing that I love about Michael Carter II is that he ran a 4 point three forty at Duke's Pro Day. That's crazy. That's like absolutely crazy. But whether or not Carter starts on the Jets defensive side of the ball, which I think there's a potential for him to do so at the slot corner spot if he develops correctly, I think he can 100% find his way onto special teams and make his speed of presence in that way. The last pick in the fifth round for the Jets, pick 175, the Jets selected Jason Pinnock, the a cornerback from Pittsburgh. I gave this pick a B, and no, not because he went to the University of Pittsburgh. The Jets ended up taking two corners in the fifth round, Pinnock being the better of the two, in my opinion. At Pittsburgh, he totaled six total interceptions. I said totaled twice, I know. One of which was a touchdown. Pinnock is six foot, 200 pounds, ran a, and he ran a 44740. And had a 39 and a half inch vertical. Those are definitely solid metrics for someone who has been taking in the fifth round. But despite being a physical freak, he does lack consistent coverage skills. I do feel as though his football knowledge and athletic ability gives him the potential to develop into a possible starter. I don't know about Brian Poole and what he's going to be doing. I don't know if the Jets are going to re-sign him. And that kind of worries me because... I don't know who is the, who are the Jets corners right now. I'll I'll look real quick. But off the top of my head, I do not know. Jets cornerbacks 2021. Let's see. Hmm. All right, looking at the Jets. Elijah Campbell maybe Looking at their roster right now, Isaiah Dunn, Brandon E. Coles, that's another draftee, Eccles. Oh, Bryce Hall, yo, they have the TikToker Bryce Hall at corner. That's their immediate starter. <laughs> that was funny. They also have Lamar Jackson. Wow. The Jets really did some work in the offseason. They signed Lamar Jackson to play corner and Bryce Hall, the TikToker, to play corner. This is crazy. I didn't know they were that good. Um, but yeah, other than, other than Brian Poole, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I guess they really needed to find some starters in the draft this year at the cornerback position. And I think that the fact that there is an offseason with training camp and OTAs, along with an actual preseason this year, 
gives not only Pinnock, but every rookie in the NFL to get some real game time reps that 2020 rookies didn't get the luxury to have. And with that being said, I think that Pinnock could potentially develop into a starting corner for the Jets because, as we know, Robert Sala is a defensive-minded head coach, and I think that Sala can help Pinnock become a starter. Moving on to the sixth round, the Jets had three more picks in the sixth round. The first one, at pick 186, the Jets selected, I'm definitely going to butcher this name, Hamsa Nasiruddin. I'm going to call him Hamsa. I'll call him Nasir. I'll call him Nas. I'll call him Nas. That makes the most sense. Okay. But he's (laughs) he's a linebacker out of Florida State. I gave this pick an A-. So, Nas, along with Jamie and Sherwood, is a versatile linebacker who can also play the safety position. I have Nas ranked higher than Sherwood for two main reasons. The first reason is Nas ran a 4.540, which is two-tenths of a second faster than Sherwood. And I know that speed doesn't mean everything, but that's that's a very decent size gap in, and you know what I mean, in speed. At the linebacker position. But yeah. So the second reason is. And this is the big one. Is that Nas was Florida State's leading tackler. In both 2018 and 2019. Before tearing his Achilles at the end of the 2019 season. His injury sidelined him for all but two games in 2020. And I feel like. That if he was able to play a full season. He would have most likely been their leading tackler again. His injury definitely plummeted his draft stock, which is why I think this pick is so valuable. If you lead a team in D1 team who is in a Power 5 conference, if you lead that team twice, back-to-back years in tackles, you got to be pretty special. I gave this pick an A- because Nas, if Nas can make a full recovery and continue to develop, he can be one he can be a very good starting caliber linebacker in the NFL. And I think, like I said before, with Jason Pinnock, I think that Nas, under Robert Sala, will become a very good defensive player in the NFL. Moving on to the penultimate pick for the Jets. At pick 200, they took Brandon Eccles, the cornerback from Kentucky. I gave this pick a B-. It's very interesting that the Jets decided to take three corners in the same draft class, and I do get from the quote-unquote research that I just did that they need the help at the position. But the fact that all of them were round five and later shows that they really didn't have the position ranked that highly. And I guess this shows that they don't see themselves really re-signing Brian Poole, which I don't know if he's asking for too much money or what, but I think he's a decent corner and would definitely be the number one guy in New York if he stayed. But from what I saw from Eccles' highlights, I don't think that he will be starting in the NFL. He's a solid blitzer off the edge and is decently quick. However, I don't think he is good enough to guard the likes of Stefan Diggs, Jalen Waddell, Will Fuller, or Nelson Aguilar, all who we would see twice a year at least. I think that Eccles will be a solid special teams player at best. However, I can see him not even making the 53-man roster when the season starts officially in September. But that's just my opinion. For his sake, I hope that he develops into a solid player just because I'm not a mean guy. I want everyone to succeed. But that being said, I give Eccles a B-. The last pick of 
the Jets draft of 2021. Round six, pick 207. They took Jonathan Marshall, the defensive tackle from Arkansas. I gave this pick a B plus. I mean, the only real reaction that I have to this pick is that the Jets wanted to take the best player available in one of their positions of need. Their defensive line, aside from Quinn and Williams, was a weakness on the defense of the previous year in 2020. I think Jonathan Marshall will slide in and immediately become the der- the first defensive tackle to come in <laughs> when Big Q or Sheldon Rankins need a break. Watching Marshall's highlights, I've come to the conclusion that he is very disruptive in the run game. He has the very unique ability to get off the ball quickly and get to the quarterback. He's very good with his hands, and he's very quick with it. He's He's got some very good moves to beat offensive linemen. And I think he, there's the there's the potential to do some dangerous things in the NFL for, for Marshall. If he can transfer his domination that he had at Arkansas, I don't really know the best teams that they played in 2020. I'll do some more research and I'll look it up right now. Let's see. Arkansas football. 2020. Not 2002. 2020 schedule. Okay. Let's see. So, oh, they played Georgia. They got cooked. They beat Mississippi State. Only lost to Auburn by two. Not bad. Beetle miss. That's surprising. Lost to AM by 11, which isn't that bad because AM was ranked five. Beat Tennessee, which I can I can definitely see that. They also got absolutely destroyed by Florida. Yeah, that was not a good game for them. They only lost to LSU by three, but LSU wasn't that good last year, so I don't know what to think of that game. Lost to Mizzou by two. Yeah, and they um they absolutely got destroyed by Bama. Like really bad. It was fifty two to three. Yeah. I'm not gonna put that on Jonathan Marshall though. I'm gonna stick with my B plus grade. And with that being said, after all of these draft picks are done, I give the Jets overall draft grade a B plus. The way okay, so I didn't explain my draft grading system for for the Steelers episode, but I will here since I got a little bit of time. The way I did it is I graded anyone that was an A-plus as an A. Wow, that made no sense. Anyone who is an A-plus is a 10. A is a 9. A-minus is an 8. So on and so forth. So if you do the calculations, Jets had 10 picks. Zach Wilson was an A-minus. Two A-pluses, an A. A B plus, a B minus, a B, another A minus, a B minus, a B plus. So that totaled out to be 73. So did 73 divided by 100, which is obviously 0. 0.73. 73%, if you go down, A plus is a 10, A minus is a 9, or A is a 9, A minus is an 8, B plus is a 7, 73 is closer to 7. So I gave the Jets a B plus. There's there's a quick math lesson for you guys who are listening, but that is that is going to be the end of this episode. I think next week I'm going to be doing the Dolphins draft review. It's going to be between the Dolphins or the Bills, but we'll have to see. I don't know. I love the draft. I love football. 
So either way, it's going to be fun. But I want to thank you all for listening. This is this is another quick one, as these draft reviews will be. If it's just me, if there's someone else. If Chris is back, you know, the time is usually doubled because, you know, Chris and I like to talk. Chris and I are very, very talkative people, if you know us. And if you don't, there you go. That's a, that's a low-known fact for us. We're talkative people. But if you got to this point of this episode... I I truly want to thank you because I'm going to be straight up. I think we got a solid five listens on last week's episode. But if you're a real Jets fan, you're going to be listening to this episode. So I salute you. I thank you. And, you know, maybe we're going to have a couple special guests in the next coming episodes because I'm not a Dolphins connoisseur. I'm not a Bills connoisseur. So maybe I need to bring someone in, or maybe Chris and I need to bring someone in who can, you know, expand our knowledge on these teams. But we'll just have to see. Again, I want to thank you all for listening. You can follow us at Gridiron Bench Squad on Instagram. And yes, that's that's basically, that's the, that's the hub, if you know what I mean. That's the hub for the Gridiron Bench Squad podcast. You'll get updates, you'll get fun posts to do on Instagram, you'll get silly posts, it's, it's the whole shabam. Again, thank you all for listening. I will catch you next week and have a great week, everyone.